This episode of 11 Point Collar is brought to you by the University of North Texas and weirdos like you. It's 11 Point Collar, hosted by J.D. Frog Scout Hansel. Hey everybody, welcome, welcome, welcome to 11 Point Collar. I am your host, J.D. Hansel, and we've got a great show for you today. This episode, friends, is not just any ordinary episode of 11 PC. Oh no, this is 11 Point Collar's 50th episode. <clears throat> uh, Louie? Uh, yeah, what? That was your cue for the fanfare and celebratory music and cheering and whatnot? Oh yeah, right. <laughs> Yes, partying, yes. This is a happy celebration for 11 Point Collar, and we've made it even more special than a regular episode because this is 11 PC's first interview with a really for real Muppeteer. It's all a part of our series on the Beyond the Sock Workshop, which is the puppetry workshop I attended recently in Texas where I got to meet many other puppetry enthusiasts and learn from our great instructors Pasha Romanowski, Peter Linz, and Noel McNeil. If you missed last week's episode, you can find it at MuppetHub.com, where the Muppetational comes together, which is the website for this show. In that episode, I talked with the attendees of the workshop and with puppet builder Pasha Romanowski, and I also played the recaps of the first two days of the workshop, which I recorded after each day. In this episode, you will hear about the third and fourth days of the workshop, and you'll get to hear my interview with Muppeteer Noel McNeil. Noel has been puppeteering on Sesame Street for many years, and he's done a variety of Muppet productions and other puppet shows you may know, such as Puzzle Place, Between the Lions, Ubi, Little Muppet Monsters, Muppets Christmas Letters to Santa, and much more. He's probably best known for performing Bear on the Playhouse Disney show that was originally produced by the Jim Henson company Bear in the Big Blue House. So, let's get this started right now by getting back to my recaps of the third and fourth days at the 2014 Beyond the Sock Workshop for Puppetry for Television and Film. Well, I'm back in my hotel room, and, um, boy, day three. It's been quite a day. It started off pretty interesting for me, in particular, because I didn't know when the shuttle was leaving from the hotel. Missed that. I was a half an hour late, and, um... I was eventually able to catch up in the puppet building, which is what we started with again today, and it was a lot of cutting things out. Pasha carefully created these patterns so that they would be uh, foolproof, so he says, and there are still a few of us that are such fools that we're messing it up, but not many. We're doing a pretty good job, I think. Uh, we've got the, the cutting of the fur is tricky because you don't want to take very long uh, cuts with the scissors. We're using scissors to cut the fur and we're tracing out the pattern on the back of the fur and cutting from the back. So what we're trying to do is just get the back that all the fur is glued onto without actually cutting too much of the fur itself. So it's weird. We're trying to cut the fur, but we're trying not to cut the fur at the same time. Um, and so it's just avoiding cutting off the fur from its back that we're trying to do because if you have just the backing showing, then when we sew it all together, it's going to look pretty bad. And so we're trying to show as much of the fur and as little of the backing as possible. And then um, the fabric that we're using is so great because it hides the seams so well. Once we got sewing, we were hand stitching. He taught us uh, some neat stitches, like uh, the baseball stitch and another one that I can't remember. Both were pretty cool. Both will definitely come in handy. 
and they looked good. They were so well hidden, you just couldn't see them at all, and we were sewing the mouthpiece, the suede mouthpiece onto the fabric. And then when when we got into the actual puppeteering, we kind of went all over the place, because it wasn't the basics anymore, because we'd already covered that. So now we were trying some different things, like walking, getting the walking down so that we were bouncing properly rather than sliding into frame. And I tend to waddle rather than bounce, I've noticed. When I come into frame, my character waddles. Like, he really shifts his weight when he walks, and that's not a normal thing for a Muppet to do. So I've been trying to get that properly, uh, trying to fix that, rather. But it's tricky. For some reason, whenever I'm not supposed to bounce, I bounce. And whenever I'm supposed to bounce, I waddle. So yeah, odd little things like that. But, I mean, everybody's still trying to figure it out, but I'm one of the people who has a bit more experience with this because I've been doing it for so long. I haven't worked with the monitor before as much as I would have liked to, but basically I'm, I'm able to do okay except when we needed to uh, do the puppet choreography in which we did the classic Muppet dance of pretty much just swaying while bouncing. So it's you tip it to the right and bounce, to the left and bounce, and you got to get that rhythm down so that we're all doing it in synchronization. What helps me now is to remember that I'm basically starting off by straightening the arm out a bit. Um, because to go left, for me, because I'm right-handed, it's kind of bending the arm inward, especially with the way that I'm normally posed when I'm puppeteering. And so to go right, I have to extend it a bit. So that's what I'm trying to remember to start on my right. But boy, did we get lost during that. And Peter was having fun making fun of us. And watching Peter and Noel improvise and play around is so, so fun because they're so funny. Once they get an idea, oh golly. At, at one point, I was watching my work because today was the day when we uh, recorded ourselves working and then we played it back so we could watch uh, what we'd recorded. And that, of course, intimidated everybody because we didn't want to see what we'd done, oh no. But it was cool seeing that, but I was angry with myself because when I saw my performances and I saw, ooh, I could have done that better, my head shouldn't have been in the shot there, what was I thinking? I totally messed that up. It seemed like most everybody else thought that what I had done was alright, and I thought that what I had done was terrible. But, um, I guess in some ways I was being nitpicky, and, um, a lot of the critiques that I was getting from, uh, Peter and Null were little things. Uh, like when, when you, when I said the word yeah, Peter suggested that I add a nod to that. And so little things like that, um, were a lot of what I was working on today, and that was good. But for a guy that's been working with puppets for quite a while and has puppeteer as the top thing on his business card, I feel like I should probably be doing better. And eventually, Noel had to stop me and say, Relax! Relax, man! Relax! Calm down! It's just puppets! It's just fun! It's fun! Are you having fun? Good! Have fun! So... Because we're working with people that are so fun and so nice and so easy to talk to, it's not nearly as intimidating as it could be. So we're still kind of just developing our... Um, mostly we're developing still the basic functions. It's just it's getting a little less basic and a little more complicated, and here's how this puppet can function in a scene by walking in from the back of the room and walking towards the front and then walking off screen from one side to the other going from upstage to downstage so that they're occupying as much space for as long as possible. So things like that, where we still haven't gotten too much into character development yet, or expression of emotion, we've touched on that, 
but we're not necessarily dealing with the basics anymore. We've moved past that. So we're kind of in an interesting transition right now with what we're learning in the puppeteering. And uh, the puppet building is coming along, and it's all really exciting. So that was day three in a nutshell. All right, well, recapping the events of day four is going to be tricky because that was quite a big day. It was just yesterday, just so you know, I'm not recording this too much later, just the following day because I didn't have time last night. Last night I was um, interviewing Peter and Noel. So yesterday morning uh, we started working on those puppets again and uh, more hand sewing. Lots of hand sewing, actually. It was the big hand sewing day where I think I must have had marks on my fingers after we were done sewing because I had just sewn so much, and whenever I pulled the thread, it pulled across the same spot on my fingers. I don't know if I mentioned before that we learned a few different kinds of ways to hand sew, uh, one being the locking whip stitch and one being the baseball stitch, but today it was a ton of locking, or yesterday rather, it was a ton of locking whip stitch. We were just doing that over and over and over for the longest time, getting all these different pieces together so that we could take the pieces that we'd hand-sewn and send them up to the Magical Sewing Machine Land where they had people with sewing machines that would put together all of the pieces of our puppets so that we would have a mostly completed puppet by the morning of day five. Uh, so I'm looking forward to seeing how my puppet turns out when it gets back from Magical Sewing Machine Land. And, um... I was playing some Muppet music, too, for everybody to listen to. So a bunch of puppet fans listening to Muppet music while building these beautiful puppets. It, it doesn't get much better than that. Uh, and then we had lunch, and we had a meeting in the auditorium, or uh, whatever you'd call that place, a theater. Yeah, it was a theater. Um, and when we met in there, we learned about copyrighty stuff for the big finale show that we're going to do. Which, by the way, is when we're going to take all these puppets that we built and put them together in a show that's got kind of a nightclub, uh, rat pack kind of feel to it. And yet it still has to be about G or PG. And so that's what we've been preparing for, and we've all been preparing little acts or songs or things we can do for, you know, about a minute to three minutes or so. So I've been working on a little song. It's a parody of the Johnny Mathis song, Chances Are, because my puppet is going to be this Dean Martin-like character that I want to use in the future after this workshop to sort of parody Dean Martin, Johnny Mathis, all those guys. Should be pretty funny. I've taken the song Chances Are and turned it into a song about my right arm and how sore my arm is after all this puppeteering. I think it's a reasonably clever song. The mix didn't turn out very great, so I don't think it's going to sound too good, but at least the puppetry should look good, and um, it should be fun to watch and uh, fun to hear. And um, the, the whole night that we're working towards is going to be pretty fun. So yesterday, when we were puppeteering, there was a lot of... Um, I don't know that it was emotions necessarily, but reacting to things... And uh, little things like saying yes and no without necessarily having to say yes and no. The proper way to shake your head and make it all look good without losing too much eye focus and uh, shrugging. And uh, lots and lots of things like that. Today we, or yesterday, day four, uh, we spent a lot of time working on this puppet choreography. Doing a pretty big number. We all did Yellow Submarine together. Yeah, all of us tried to group together into the same shot. We tried to hide as many of the puppeteers as we could. And we did a certain choreography. 
and tried to keep eye focus. But what I found is that um, if uh, if I was looking in a certain direction or the puppet was looking in a certain direction, I was having to bend my hand in a way that puts a lot of strain on an area where most normal people wouldn't have too much strain. Peter thinks that there's something kind of odd going on and I need to be doing lots and lots of stretches because my arm should not be having as much trouble uh, turning in a certain direction as I'm having. When we were thinking, when we were practicing thinking, uh, because we had to, you know, turn away from the camera when we were thinking and then get a little idea, so we just would slightly uh, move the hand up a bit or slightly move it down a bit to show that we'd gotten an idea, but we do it quickly kind of sharp like hmm you get the idea that they're having an idea or you could do a big idea when they turn and look at the camera with their mouths open and stuff like that and I found that as long as I did not look away in a certain direction I was fine but once I turn in that certain direction I can't do it it hurts my hand too much and it's weird but still I, I think that at least what I do for the final performance is going to look good and what we did for um, when we were lip-syncing to a song from Sesame Street. That actually worked out pretty well. Most, a lot of us actually, were doing really, really, really good puppetry. Compared to what we started with at the beginning of the week, that's what I should say, the puppetry when we were lip-syncing to a song from Sesame Street was really pretty darn good. It looked right, the sync was basically right, a lot of us had the eye focus right and had the choreography right. We got the right, left, down. So we're all making progress here, and I'm looking forward to the last day. Uh, well, here I am with Puppeteer and Muppeteer, Noel McNeil. I'm speaking terribly right now. <clears throat> Sorry. <laughs> You've had a long day. It's okay. Yeah, yeah. With, a pu- with Puppeteer, Noel McNeil. I got the name right this time. Yes. There you go. Whom you might know from being Bear on Bear in the Big Blue House, among many, many other things. Puzzle Place is something that we've we've been watching a few clips from that in the workshop. And then Sesame Street, of course. Lots of time working on Sesame Street. And certainly been fascinating for me, uh, learning about all the um, the right arms that you've been doing that, you know. <laughs> it's like, yes. really? You were involved in that sketch, too? Oh, my gosh. All my favorites. Yeah. But one of the stories that you were telling us earlier that I thought was really fascinating is about when one of your kids, I'm sorry that I don't remember which one, uh, was was learning that you were the puppeteer of Bear. Yes. I guess. Uh, would you mind sure. telling the story again? I uh, only have one kid. He's a boy. Okay. okay. His name is Matthew, but we call him Maddie, and he's nine, going on 42. And when he was little, when he was about, well, when we did Breakfast with Bear, Breakfast with Bear was the spinoff of Bear in the Big Blue House, and it was Bear in the Real World, so we did... Ten episodes in New York and ten episodes in Los Angeles. When Maddie was three months old, he and my wife came to Los Angeles. And so he, at that time, got used to seeing walk-around characters. He met Bear when he was little and met other characters. So he grew up watching Bear and watching Sesame Street Old School and The Muppet Show and Summer Fraggle. So he had no fear of, like, puppets or walk-around puppets. Then when I worked on Between the Lions in Mississippi... He and Susan came down. He was a little older. He was about four years old. And so he came down. And then I told him that puppeteers help our friends on TV move. We, we help them talk. So I help Lionel talk. And I put Lionel on and I showed him how I help him talk. So he knew that puppeteers help puppets 
talk. So then after that, when we would watch The Muppet Show, you would say, who helps Kermit? And I said, well, that was my friend Jim. Now it's my friend Steve. Said, oh, who helps Piggy? Well, that was my friend Frank. Now it's my friend Eric who does it. So finally, he one evening, for some reason, he just asked out of the blue, like, who helps Bear? And I said, do you really want to know? And he said, yes. And I said, me. And he gave me this look that he's perfected, the sort of narrow-eyed kind of look of, what you talking about, Daddy? Without actually saying it. And I said, well, Maddie, haven't you ever noticed how my voice and Bear's voice kind of sound the same? And he closed his eyes, and he kind of looked off with his eyes closed. And you could tell in his mind he was thinking of Bear talking and thinking of me talking. And then while his eyes were closed, that's when he smiled and said, oh, yeah. So that's when he got it. So that's when he finally figured out, like, I was Bear. Huh. Now, I'm curious. I can't remember this. I'm sure I've read it or heard it in an interview somewhere. But uh, how did you get interested in puppetry? Oh, when I was a kid. Back then... Right after they had been at fire, there was more puppets on TV. So there was Kukla Fran and Ollie from mm-hmm. Bird Tilster, and there was Sherry Lewis and Lamb Chop. There was Captain Kangaroo, even um, the Von Trapps and the, the Sound of Music. So watching things that had puppets in it. And then when I was about seven years old, on a Sunday night, around 6.30, there was a half-hour show on local PBS. And it was hosted by two puppets. And they're talking about a brand-new show coming the next day it was called Sesame Street and the two puppets were called Ernie and Bert I think I've heard of them yes and so they showed they explained Sesame Street and they showed clips of the show that was starting tomorrow morning and they showed clips including the clip of Big Bird coming out for the very first time and it amazed me that this was a puppet that could actually walk around this creature could actually walk and talk at the same time so I knew I was gonna watch this show even though I was beyond Sesame Street in terms of learning anything. I was about seven years old, but I definitely was going to watch it. And I watched it all through my childhood and watched the, the specials on TV the Muppets would do with the great Santa Claus switch and the Frog Prince and Hey Cinderella and all their appearances on shows like the Flip Wilson show, mm-hmm. which there's, on a, there's a channel where you can see repeats of the Flip Wilson show and you can watch Big Bird and Oscar on, on those clips again. And so... That's how I became interested in puppetry, because I, I, I liked it ever since I was a kid. Okay. All right. That's, that's really neat. At, uh, at this workshop, at Beyond the Sock... Um, right. Which I did you, not come up with the name. Peter did not come up with the name. That was the University of North Texas. Okay. <laughs> they came up with Beyond the Sock. <laughs> but, okay. But we've, we've learned to love it. Well, <laughs> but, how, how did you get involved in that? Oh, James Martin actually came to Jackson, Mississippi because of... The fact that that's where we were doing Between the Lions. We did the last two seasons of Between the Lions about, I think about six years ago. And so he came and he visited and he watched and he talked to me and Peter and asked back then, would we ever be interested in doing a master class and workshop and teaching people television puppetry? We said, sure, why not? So you two were asked a long time ago yeah, about this. Right, and it only and it took that long for him to convince the right powers that be that wrote the checks to do it. So this is the second year. The inaugural year was last year in 20, this time last year in 2013. So this is the second time. So this is Beyond the Sock Pop Do. Well, I think I'm just going to ask, what has been the most uh, fun part of the workshop for you so far? Um, so far, it's uh, 
the fact that everybody's having fun. That's one thing, mm -hmm. because it's designed for that as well. Uh, my fo most favorite part is still coming up. It's tomorrow night. That's where okay. everybody does the little part of the variety show, the last little bit skit. And it'll be amazing to see what people come up with for their bits or their skit. Because in these workshops, we always try to do a last day thing where people have a chance to show off their talents and their imagination. So I did a workshop in Sydney, Australia in this past February at uh, Carriage Works in Sydney. And it was through Earth, E-R-T-H, Earth. And it's this theatrical group that does dinosaurs for the park, field station dinosaurs, and for Earth traveling dinosaur zoo, which is touring the U.S. and also Canada. And so they invited me down. And so that was fun because it was amazing to see the stuff that people came up with at the end. We ran the gamut. <laughs> How long have you been uh, teaching puppetry then? Um, I started teaching it when I started auditioning people for the international versions of Sesame Street because other countries have their own Sesame Street. Right. The little yeah. motto is the longest street on earth. So yeah. when I had to go and audition people for uh, Sesame Street, also retrain people, I had to actually start to think about how do I explain something that just comes naturally, that I just learned and just did. How do I break it down and explain it for people? So. I guess that started about, let's see, 2014, yes, started about maybe almost 10 years ago when I okay. did my first workshop overseas and had to sort of like explain it. And then ever since then I've gone to countries such as Mexico and South Africa, Nigeria, even Pakistan, Japan, India for the Sesame Street. And I've also been able to work with the writers of those shows because a lot of times they don't know how to write for puppets and we take it for granted so it's mm -hmm. also explaining and showing examples to writers like how you can write for, for puppets so that's been really interesting too because I've become a writer as well so I've done puppetry workshops and I've also done writing workshops yeah now I know that I went to uh, a couple years ago when I was much much younger uh, I went to one of your workshops that was yes. pretty brief. I think it was about an hour or so yeah. in length. Uh, and there were fancy Jim Henson Company puppets there. Yes. Uh, <laughs> at the Museum of the Moving Image in New York. And that was really fun. And since then, uh, if I've ever needed to do, to do a, um, for college or something like that, if I've needed to do, needed to do I can't speak today, uh, <laughs> some kind of a how-to speech or presentation on how to do something, I'm generally doing puppetry. And I'm imitating a lot of the same stuff that I saw in your presentation. So I'm curious about what you referred to when you were starting to teach other people to puppeteer. What, right. were, uh, what were your sources? What were you watching? And who were you thinking about to try and get inspiration for that? Well, I was trying to think about who I worked with and who I kept watching because I started working on Sesame Street in the early 80s. In fact, I started working out as a wrangler. I wasn't a puppeteer yet. I was, I was the guy who helped prep the puppets and put Big Bird on Carol Spinney's shoulders. So I was like watching and learning. So I got to watch and learn with Jim Henson and Frank Oz. And then I became a puppeteer and starting off doing right hands. So there are clips that I've shown my son on YouTube and I suddenly have to think, wait a minute, why does this seem familiar? Oh, right, I'm doing the right hand for, for that character. So then I would take those clips and I would show people, for example, a practical hand puppet, the kind of puppet that takes two puppeteers. I would say, okay, this is an example 
of a practical hand puppet and how you have to work together in order to make it look like it's one character. And so I show the clip of the count doing the batty bat and it's me and Jerry. Jerry's doing the count and I'm doing the count's right hand. And I remember Richard Hunt's advice was just hook your thumb into Jerry's belt loop and hang on. Because with that clip, which is available on YouTube, mm -hmm. you see us twirling around. And we're actually waltzing but with our arms in the air. So I show clips like that and clips that would help people understand what a puppet can do by itself. Like Kermit singing, It's Not Easy Being Green. Or uh, a duet, like uh, Bert, er, Bert and Ernie singing um, um, But I Like You, which is such a great song. Mm -hmm. And then uh, big crowd scene songs to show how you can fit a lot of puppets into one scene and it still works. So what I've always been inspired by and enjoyed that I show other people and show this is how you can do it. All right. That's really neat. And see, now you've gotten me curious. What was it like working with Jerry Nelson? Jerry was great. Jerry's what I mean, in general, the, the, the Muppeteers are some of the sweetest people on the planet. I've so, noticed that. Yeah. <laughs> and, and Jerry Nelson was a dear man. In fact, I had the um, opportunity to invite, when I got married to my wife, author, Susan Elia McNeil, we invited Carol and Debbie, we invited um, Jerry and his, his wife, Jan, and they RSVP'd. And so we got the RSVP back. My wife, Susan, looked at it and realized and she said, oh my God, the Count's coming to my wedding. Because <laughs> we, we loved Jerry and, and Fran and, and uh, her husband, Fran Brill, and her husband also came. So it was really dear. They're like some of the dearest people and most giving people I know. And Jerry was wonderful. Jerry was so talented with voices. He could come up with so many voices. In fact, he told me, I told him, because admiring his voices so much, I said, I love that song that you sang in Fraggle Rock when Marjorie, the trashy, his character got moved and she lost her personality and she had to remember who she was yes and so he said the, the, the story behind that was that they once got a letter from a uh, a grandmother who, who was rather hungarian slavic from uh her heritage and said that her grandson said that <laughs> you know grandma you sound like the trash heap on fraggle rock and so the producers were very Concerned that the woman felt like you know insulted by this and they didn't want anybody else to feel insulted So he said that song he did every accent and inflection he could think of so this way They covered every single person so this way one person didn't feel isolated. We did everybody <laughs> <laughs> And just got it out of the way so this way we weren't singling out one ethnic group or anything So that's why the the song came about which was really funny during the height of political correctness like there now we've done everybody. <laughs> you don't feel slighted or isolated, and that's it. That's that's a great story. Um, the stories that you've been telling us during this workshop are really great, and that's why everyone ought to come uh, <laughs> next year. And so it's it always amazes me just how many of these uh, stories there are, and pictures there are, and videos there are that no one's ever going to get to see no. because mm -hmm. they're kept uh, kind of somewhat secretive. Yeah. So I don't know, what are some of your uh, favorite inside stories that you learned about when you started working um, when you started working on Sesame Street and in different places? The stories that you'd oh, heard right. from people. Oh, it was just like, just stuff how certain things just came about. Like, uh, for example, the, the story Jerry said about Marjorie, mm -hmm. uh, the, the trash heap, and uh, 
um, certain stories that people may not have known, known about. I was telling one of your colleagues that um, I worked on Follow That. He knew I worked on Follow That Bird. I was the chair of Bird, and I also doubled for Carol, and I was background, and I did things. But Judy and Tony wrote Follow That Bird. Then they were going to do potentially a sequel to, to Follow oh. That Bird, a whole new Sesame Street movie. And there were I different ideas. There were different ideas thrown about, and one of them was Big Bird dreams that he is elected president of the United States. And so the Sesame Street gang become his cabinet and try to help run the country. And then there are these evil villains and evil Muppets who want to get rid of him, including a scene where potentially Big Bird gets pushed out of Air Force One, and that's when he has to try and fly. <laughs> it never got made. Yeah, I can see why. Yeah. And then there was the, uh, the one where, um, what with Sesame Street, they wanted to promote science and exploration and all that. So there was a storyline of being developed and being talked with NASA about having Big Bird's teddy bear radar be the first toy in space. I've heard of this. And so he was scheduled. It never happened because of other, other factors. But he was going to be on the Space Shuttle Challenger. But it never came through. And so I was actually on my way to the studio the day the, the Challenger accident happened. And so when I got there, people were in shock, thinking obviously about what happened, but also thinking, oh my God, what if radar had been on yeah. that shuttle? It would have been a totally different special at that point. So yeah, so yeah little, little things you may not have known about. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, now that I think about it, I'm remembering, uh, did you... I th if memory serves, didn't you work on that episode of Sesame Street in which um, Snuffy's parents get a divorce? Yes. After, um, after conquering death, Sesame Street <laughs> decided that they could handle another tough issue for kids and family. So they thought, let's tackle divorce. And so the premise was that Snuffy's parents were getting a divorce. And so I played... Snuffy's dad, who had to drop him and Alice off and go off. And then they redressed um, the second Snuffle up, I guess. And um, I, I lip synced for Snuffy's mom. And uh, I believe Lynn Hippen did the voice. I have been Snuffy's mom on a videotape, but the, for that one, uh, they wanted a very clear uh, female voice. So um, she did it. And I just lip synced along. And so they tested it. And so they tested it with kids in New York and kids in New Jersey. And across the board, in these two isolated groups, it was determined everything they tried to dispel was reinforced. That uh -huh. divorce is your fault. Divorce means your parents don't love you anymore. Divorce, it's just every fallacy, it just, it just tanked. And it's just bomb. And they had, they had, they had um, advertised it. They were saying, this fall, one of the things we're going to do is tackle divorce. And then this happened. And, you know, give Sesame credit. They are good with the spin. And they came out and said, yes, we tried this. Yes, we tested it. And it failed. And they took pride in the fact of their research department and the fact they take so much time in doing something like this. And the fact that it didn't work, they're not going to do it, and they're going to go back and wow. readdress the issue. And a couple of years later, they did a song where it was a bird in a tree and one... Yep. One nest was on one side of the tree where the dad lived, and the nest was on the other side of the tree where the mom lived. She would just visit the nest. Mm -hmm. But then 
uh, recently, as of last year, they actually did tackle divorce a little more. With Abby Cadabby. With Abby, a little more head on this time. So, yeah, so it, you know, took about two or three decades, but they finally <laughs> figured out yeah. how to do it. Um, this is the part where I really wish I'd had a list of questions before <laughs> I just came down here and said, let's do this thing. <laughs> That's why spontaneity is so great. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, hey, you just made me think of a question. Hey! Um, <laughs> yeah, so... How does ad living typically work on Sesame Street? How much allowance is there for that? Um, what I have told puppeteers for other Sesame Streets in other countries is that with Sesame Street, you're teaching a curriculum. You're teaching certain lessons, whether it be numbers or letters or so, I mean, social interaction. And so the script will have a certain curriculum agenda that it has to get through. Now. As long as you don't distract or divert from that, yes, you can ad-lib. You can add little things, especially as especially if it's character-driven, too. If your character would say that, then do it. Don't be funny for funny's sake. Make it have a reason behind it. So if it is in context, what's what's happening, yes, go ahead and ad-lib. Yeah. How much ad-libbing was there on uh, Bear in the Big Blue House, I wonder? Oh, it was... It was scripted, but what 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 happened is, for certain lunch times we would have uh, uh, read throughs, so we would go and they provide lunch, and then we would read through upcoming scripts. And a lot of times, as we're reading, we would just throw in lines, or throw in certain things. And then the writers who were sitting there, they would make a note. So then we would get the script revised, and the little things that we actually said, or how we re-read a line, would be put in. And then on set, if something just seem funny then we would do it a lot a lot of times sometimes we just wouldn't tell the directors we would just go ahead and do it <laughs> or if the moment just happened within character then we would just go ahead and do it i don't want to keep here too much longer because this interview is getting kind of long and uh <laughs> and i blather and i've been doing this way too long so we can go on and on and we have other things to do i think so um of the different songs that you've gotten to do on the different shows that you've worked on what are some of your favorites well i didn't i didn't work on the song but one of my well what favorite, i mean yeah. the ones you've, you've yeah. performed well i was for. thinking well, i was thinking well right. i was just saying one of my favorite songs of Sesame Street is Ernie's I Don't Want to Live on the Moon. Mm -hmm. So, and I would often um, sing that to my son uh, when I had to go on trips. So I would sing that to him. So I love that song, even though I didn't work on it. But like the Batty Bat, I love that song. Um, on Bear, I love the Good Night song, as well as several of the other songs. A song I actually got to write a song called Come On In. So I, I enjoyed that. Um, and that song I showed you guys today from Puzzle Place called It's You. I, I enjoyed that song. And then I just appreciate how well certain songs work for, uh, for, for characters. Um, you know, Oscar's I Love Trash. It's like, that's the classic. And just love that. So, yeah, there's a lot of, it's like so many songs that um, I've liked. And so many songs that would be perfect for puppets, which mm -hmm. is... Uh, why we suggest them for you guys. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you very much sure. uh, for coming on the show. Hey, this thank you. Been, yeah, this has been uh, so much fun, and uh, I'm looking forward to the uh, the last day of the workshop now. Oh, heck so, so am I. I can't uh, wait to see what you do. 
<laughs> yeah, this is going to be lots of fun. Thank you very much. Sure. All right, for the closing clips in this episode, you're going to hear The Batty Bat, which is the song that Noel was referring to earlier in which he right-handed, and you're going to hear two random songs from Bear in the Big Blue House. And now, the closing clips. In old Transylvania, when I was a lad, our castle was cold, yet we never were sad. We learned to be happy, we danced round the hall, and learning to count was the key to it all. By counting each count, I knew just where to start. And one special step has stayed close to my heart. <laughs> one, two, three, spread out the cape. One, two, three, twirl round the floor. One, two, three, left foot you swing. One, two, three, then start to sing. One, two, three, loud as you please. One, two, three, counting with ease. One, two, three, doing the fatty bat. Oh, oh, my happy childhood in the Carpathian Mountains. How well I remember. So now in my own castle, I can enjoy this wonderful dance that I learned as a boy. I see just how wise was my whole family. They taught me to count, and so now look at me. I'm counting and dancing, and I swear that it's true. If you do the same, you will be happy too. Come, we try again. One, two, three, spread out the cape. One, two, three, twirl round the floor. One, two, three, left foot you swing. One, two, three, then start to sing. One, two, three, loud as you please. One, two, three, counting with these. shake my head It feels so great to be in my own bed Walk to the kitchen Make my special cup of tea And stop and think It's so nice to be Here in my home sweet home I've got my favorite chair Yes, in my home sweet home All my favorite things are there Because my home sweet home Is so perfect for a bear Gee, it's great 
at home <sighs> I love to sniff my way around my big blue house Or read a book or sit and talk with the mouse My favorite bathroom has my favorite bear shampoo And best of all, I get to spend time with you Cause in your home sweet home I'm sure that you'll agree that your home sweet home is the perfect place to be Cause it's your home sweet home And everybody knows it's great to be at home Yeah, it's great to be at home Yeah, it's great to be at home Home sweet home Daddy goes away a while And you're missing him so badly That it's almost hard to smile And then that great feeling When he comes back home again Well that's love, that's love That's what I'm speaking of That's loving Love is incredible That is all I want to say I'm saying take a look It's always there, you can feel it every day Do you feel it? Love is incredible It makes me want to sing Like a flashlight, you can shine it anywhere On your sister, or your goldfish, or even on your favorite bear And love is like a mirror, no matter what or who If you shine it on somebody, it's gonna come back to you Here it comes! Love is incredible, that is all I wanna say I'm saying, take a look, it's always there You can feel it every day, do you feel it? You know, as I was listening to that music from Bear in the Big Blue House, I think I figured out where my love for the saxophone came from. I betcha it's from the music from that show. Well, I think this episode has been a lot of fun. Hopefully you thought so too. But now it's time to wrap it up. So, you can contact me by emailing jd11pc at gmail.com. That's jd11pc at gmail.com. You can like the Facebook page at facebook.com slash jd11pc and follow the show on Twitter at jd11pc. Again, that's jd11pc. Until next time, waka waka, wubba wubba, and weeba weeba. Everybody and every creature has to poop sometime. Louie, I told you not to play that clip. That's unprofessional. You idiot.